story tonight. We talked about Joseph last week. And uh, our sermon tonight is titled, uh, you know, Advent with Mary, We All Have Faith. We're going to look at the faith of Mary and talk about some of the things that we can learn from that. And so I invite you to either follow along in your Bible or on the screen. Uh, Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. It says this, In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We all know this story. If you've been going to church more than a year, you've probably heard this story. Every year it's sort of a given, oh, well, we're going to talk about Mary, it's Advent. Here's why. Because it's amazing. <laughs> because it changed the course of human history. And because your faith, my faith, our faith, we all have this same ability. It's not so different than what Mary went through. So let's review the story, and then we'll talk about some of these elements of faith in this critical time of year. In verse 26 and 27, the angel Gabriel comes to visit Mary after visiting her cousin Elizabeth and her husband Zechariah, the high priest. And Mary, as we know from last week, and it mentions here, is betrothed to a man named Joseph of the tribe of Benjamin, a descendant of David. And last week, we talked about this. We actually were doing it a little out of order, right, chronologically. Joseph, we know that when he finds out about this pregnancy, actually tries to divorce Mary, right? But Mary here first finds out about this. And the angel comes to her and says, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And yet it says that Mary is troubled. And then in verse 30, it says it again, For you have found favor with God. She is the favored one. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I remember hearing this for a long time and always sort of wondering, how was it that Mary was able to find favor with God? <laughs> like, what'd she do? What's the secret? Right, what's the, what's the method? How do I get God to visit me and say, Sam, my favored one. You, you're with me, I'm with you. I did a little digging and was thinking about it, and, and the text actually tells us Nothing really else about Mary before this. She didn't 
She wasn't, you know, volunteering and, and singing in the church band. She wasn't serving in the children's ministry. She wasn't any different than you or than I. We can assume that Mary had a sinful life just like you and I do. That she was not without sin, not without the need for God's forgiveness. That as with many of us, she was in this place trusting God, hoping in God, but needing his love and his grace for her forgiveness. Which to me is an amazing reminder that God's favor, and I really believe this, God's favor is not something that we can earn. This is not something that is uniquely given to Mary, but something that is offered to all of us. That God's favor is in fact freely given, which of course is the definition of grace, isn't it? That God's favor is freely given to you and to, to me, just like with Mary. And then the angel goes on, after giving her this great gift of God's favor, to say that this son of yours, he's going to be the son of God. He will fulfill the promises God made to David. He will, will be the king of a kingdom that will never end. This is a big statement. This is a big statement for you or for me to think about our child that may be the son of God, much less it's a big statement for a Jewish person from the tribe of David, that your son will be the fulfillment of all of these things you have heard for so long. And I love Mary's response. I love Mary's response for a couple of reasons. She's not a theologian who asks a deep theological question. She is not some deep thinker who, who, who is going to argue with the angel Gabriel about how this could be or anything. No, she's a teenager. Remember, Mary is 12, 13, 14, 15, maybe at the absolute oldest. And her response is a perfect teenager response. How could I be pregnant if I've never been with a guy? Let's not worry about all the theological implications. Like, how is this going to work? Right? Uh, let's not worry about the eternal consequences, how somehow the Holy Spirit is going to do this thing or whatever. No, I'm just curious, how's this going to work? Right? And then the angel says to her, hey, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. And this is how it's going to be. And then in verse 38, we get Mary's answer. It's not a, okay, but, dot, dot, dot. It's not, okay, yeah, if, dot, dot, dot. It's a, okay, I'll do it. I'm in. Right? I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Remember Joseph's response last week? <laughs> Joseph hears about this pregnancy obviously doesn't believe her, tries to divorce her. And then the angel goes and visits Joseph in a dream to convince him. Joseph had all these doubts and all these worries. So let me ask you, just to start, which one are you? Are you more of a Joseph or a Mary? Do you go into things with this strong, vibrant faith, trusting that God will in fact do these things, he says? Or do you sort of back off and say, hold on a sec, this doesn't really make sense. This isn't very logical. Let's just wait. Let's think of a way out of this. Another way to think of it, are you constantly, we talked about this last week, looking for a way to opt out of life with God and following God? Or are you jumping in like Mary and saying, yeah, great, I'm in. Let's not worry about how this is going to all come to fruition. Let's not worry about all the details. I'm in. Which one are you? Are you trying to detach yourself from the story of God to play it safe? Or are you opting in to what God is doing every single day? 
Are you looking for areas where God is bringing the kingdom to earth so that you can join in with the mission of God? Maybe not knowing how or why, but just simply saying, you know what? May it be, God, as you command. We just prayed this prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Are we praying that prayer? Are we living that prayer? Because we must never forget, church, that God is in fact working, that God is in fact working all around us, that the kingdom of God is indeed present every single day in your life. And this event, this event with Mary, as many of us know, is a major event in all of human history. Right? We all grew up now, of course, they've changed them to, you know, uh, before the common era. But growing up, it was always, even in school, right? 300 years before Christ. That was how I learned time. (laughs) This is a major human event and has been for all of human history. The events surrounding Jesus' birth, life, death, resurrection have divided the entire world in the history of the world. Wars, probably wrongly, but still, wars have been waged over whether or not this was true. And so as we read this again, each and every year, the reason we do this is because it demands a response from you and from I. What is your response to these events and these claims? This year, not last year. Not when you were a child, not when you were first baptized, but what is your response tonight? And let me challenge you one step further. These days, many people like the Bible, but they struggle with some of the claims. And so they may say, yes, Jesus was a good man. Yes, Jesus was a prophet. Yes, Jesus gave us a great example of how to live, but we can't believe it. Many people will downplay this specific event of the virgin birth more than the others, especially. Some today, like I said, make Jesus out to be just a good guy. He taught us how to live, but there's no way this part is true. I wouldn't doubt if some people in this room even thought that and said, you know, I can get on board with the teachings of Jesus, with the parables of Jesus, but I stop short at the virgin birth because it's just a lie. Some argue that this is just a religious myth made about by his followers to make him seem special after his death. Whatever the doubt that you may have, that you have heard in this world, let me encourage you tonight. First, consider what the prophet Isaiah says. Chapter 7, I think it's on there, Micah. In Isaiah chapter 7, the prophet says, hundreds of years before the event ever happened, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. And what's amazing to me about this is, of course, it's hard. You can't use the Bible to prove the Bible, right? But just as, a, as, as an evidence and as a, an interesting thing, our oldest copy of the scroll of Isaiah is between 100 and 300 years before the events of Jesus happened. And so at the very least, the Israelites believed in this thing and were looking forward to this event happening. That we know that, that, that Jewish people were looking forward to this event of Jesus, to this virgin birth. Secondly, if you were a Christian and and, and you've been baptized or you have made vows to believing in these things, let me remind you that we believe in a God that is three in one. We believe in a God that created the world by speaking. We believe that Jesus himself did great miracles. To be a Christian is to believe in things that you and I cannot fully explain. 
To be a Christian is to believe in things that you and I cannot rationally, logically explain for this world. This is why Paul says the wisdom of the world is foolishness. And to the world, the wisdom of Christians is foolishness. Additionally, there's, well, we just talked about Zechariah and Elizabeth having John the Baptist. There's multiple birth stories where God intervenes in, in unnatural births. The birth of Isaac, right? The birth of John the Baptist to women who were far beyond childbearing years. There are lots of miracles also with God directly intervening in a birth story. So there's biblical precedence for it as well. And by, like I said, us saying we are Christians, we are therefore believing in that which is a little hard to explain. And lastly, understanding this virgin birth for you and for me is essential in our understanding of Jesus Christ. The theological word for it is Christology, how we understand Jesus. But the truth is this, is that to understand who Jesus was is to understand that he was fully God and fully man. He was not 50% and 50%. To understand that we talked about this earlier this year in the Apostles' Creed class, right? Um, Some of you may remember that. But to believe in the virgin birth is essential for the Christian believer. To know that this was from God for a purpose and it was predestined for this purpose. And even though we can't explain it, that He calls us to believe. And so if you have questions, just personally, let me know. If this is something that's hard for you, let me know in the coming weeks. Write me a note. Write Andy a note. We can sit down and have a coffee and talk about it. But this is very, very important. And so to say that you will believe in the story of Jesus but without the virgin birth just doesn't fly. Church, to believe in Jesus is to believe in it all. To believe in Jesus and put your trust in this person is to believe that which the scriptures tell us about him. When I look at Mary and I look at Joseph, I see Joseph's doubting. And I cannot believe, we cannot be people who are trying to find a way to divorce God like Joseph did to Mary. We talked about this last week. I can't stress this enough. We cannot be waiting for a loophole or a reason to back out of this. We cannot be waiting and saying, I'm going to have one foot in the Christian pool and one foot in the world pool. And and if the Christian pool doesn't work out, I'm just going to back right out. We are either with Jesus, he tells us and teaches us, believing in the virgin birth, his sinless life, his death on the cross, his resurrection, or we are not. And then we look at Mary's example. And we realize that to trust God is to trust even when we may still have questions. To trust even when we have no idea what's going to happen. To say to Jesus, yeah, I'm in. Because the reality is that each and every single one of us have this capacity like Joseph to doubt, and we also have this great capacity for faith like Mary. We have the ability to be either. And so tonight, not in years past, not before, not your parents, not your church growing up, tonight, the question I want to ask you is what do you say? We are each responsible for our own response. God has given each of us the ability to choose our response to him and to the story of Jesus to show a a measure of faith like Mary or to show a measure of doubt like Joseph. And you may say to me, Sam, this isn't fair. They both had an angel come visit him. 
right? We talked about this last week too. I've never had an angel come visit me. How in the world can I grow my faith? I confessed to my worship team tonight before I'm walking into church and I kind of had a bad attitude. Um, and, I was, and I sort of tried to give myself even a pep talk. You ever do this? You're like, come on, Sam, just get over it. Right? You're the pastor. You're supposed to be preaching tonight. Be excited. And you give yourself a little pep talk. <laughs> and I immediately thought, that is so stupid. Why am I relying on myself? I am about to go and worship with friends. I am about to go and be in the presence of believers here in the church. Why am I not leaning on other people to help me? And then immediately I remember this passage. Uh, it's on there too, Micah. It's Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. In case you forgot this, this encouraged me so much tonight when we talk about how to have faith like Mary. Is it on there? Great. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. I'm going to add words to, the, Hebrew to the, the letter to the Hebrews here and say, consider his virgin birth when you need faith. Consider the faith of Mary when you feel like you need stronger faith to believe. God has given us people, God has given us tools, God has given us scriptures at our disposal to grow our faith. Why do we not use them? Do we lean into our brothers and sisters in Christ when we doubt? Do we lean into the strength of one another to grow our faith? Or do we lean into the lies and the deceptions of the world to doubt and turn from what God might be teaching us? To have one foot out just in case we need to leave God. To back out like Jacob. Or like Mary, do we say, I'm in, even though I don't know. Even though I don't know how tomorrow's going to be, I'm still in. I like Mary a lot. I'm going to tell you one more reason why I like Mary so much. One of the joys I've had in my life is to be a youth pastor for a long time. Some of you may not know what this is like. Some of you may. I'll just ask you this. Have you ever talked to a pregnant teenager? A girl who has no idea what's going to happen? I sat across from a 15-year-old girl once who told me she's pregnant and has no idea what to do. And I remember thinking, this makes Advent real. What would that be like? To hear that you are pregnant and have no idea, is, is my betrothed going to stay with me? What, what's my family going to say? What's the church going to say? W what happens when I start showing and I walk in and all of these women in church start giving me dirty looks because I'm a teenager? I'm very fortunate to have been in youth ministry for a long time. I've had a number of these conversations. And when I think about Mary, I'm lucky I've been able to sit across from someone and have this conversation and realize, I think I know a little bit, just a tiny bit about what Mary was feeling. She was afraid. There's no way you could argue that Mary was this glowing, picturesque figure of faith and saying, oh, I totally, I have no fear, I have no questions. I guarantee you she was afraid. I guarantee you she had questions and doubts. I guarantee you that she was uncertain that a couple of days after this moment, she probably thought, did that really just happen? 
church, we all come across stuff in our life that we cannot see, we cannot prove. Sometimes believing in the Advent story is really scary. Sometimes believing in this thing that we all claim to believe in can be really kind of frightening. Because we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know what God is going to call us to. We don't know if God may call us around the world to do something crazy. But many of us, we've lived a little life, maybe it's with a job, maybe it's with family. We know that fear can actually be a good thing. I talked this week with a friend about this. How following Jesus is a little bit scary. But if you were to get a new job, and you, you knew how to do everything, and it was easy, and it was perfect, what's the point of taking that job? There's no challenge. There's no growth. But to get a new job, you want it to scare you a little bit, right? You want it to be a little bit of unknown to where you're saying, I'm not really sure what's going to happen, but I know it could be really good. Advent's a little like that. Advent's a little scary, but it's good. It challenges us to believe. It challenges us to trust God, not only with today, but also with tomorrow, like Mary. How can we know? Church, let me remind you, how can we trust in the unknown? Because of what the angel said to Mary is true for you and I, that God favors you. When was the last time you thought about that? That God favors you, not because of what you did, not because of what you earned, not because you are more holy than the person sitting next to you, but because he gives his favor freely and has offered it to you and to me. Do we trust that we are favored by God? That the grace of the God gives us this measure of faith to believe in the same way Mary did? And also that you will have brothers and sisters in this room and around the world to help you? It's okay to acknowledge that following Jesus is scary. Advent, I, I confess to me, is a little scary. Because if, if the virgin birth really happened, then that means we have to really follow the commands Jesus gave us. And that's scary. When I look at Advent, I see Jesus calling us the same way Mary was called. Are you in or not? Because like Mary, we all have this favor of God. We have his grace given to us. And what matters is how we respond. What matters is what we do when God offers us this grace. Not, like I said, in the past, but here, today, now, each and every day. How do you respond to God's favor in your life? And tonight, we have a great opportunity for those who are professing a belief in Christ to, to respond through communion. Jesus said that, that we should remember not just his birth, but his sacrifice for us. And so, as a church... Here, we come once a month to this table to remember. Here, we come once a month to this table to remember not only the virgin birth, but also his sinless life, the death on the cross, and his resurrection, because it's a package deal. And through this, Christ said to remember his life. And so tonight, we come to this table. For those who are believing and professing in Jesus Christ, we come and we remember through the bread and the cup, if for whatever reason you are not ready, if you are not able, if you're in a place where you just aren't sure, um, I'd invite you to still come forward when everyone else does, and you can just cross your arms like this, and I'll say a little prayer for you. 
Uh, I'd love to be able to even talk with you afterwards if you have questions tonight. Um, if you have questions about some of the theology of this, you can write me an email, talk to Andy, whatever you need to do. But for tonight, we come to this table to remember and to respond. Would you guys pray with me? Let's pray. God, we give you thanks for Mary and her faith. We thank you for the virgin birth. Lord, we confess that sometimes we are afraid. We do not know what you will do, where you will take us. But tonight, Lord, we remember your sacrifice for us. And God, we respond by simply saying, we believe. Lord, thank you for this gift. We pray it in Christ's name.